Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an unrelentingly unreliable narrative understanding the unnatural and unnerving reality of underestimated Norwich being unbeaten in early September. Punt and I are undertaking the unthinkable, recording a pod halfway through transfer deadline day. So even more than usual, dear listener, you in the future already probably know more than us. Let's leave the transfer stuff for a minute. What a start, punt, eh? I just... Who saw this coming? But who... Well, no one. No one did. And it, the thing that really, really excites me is it's not the points tally. It's not the fact that we're second in the league. It's the fact that actually the football appears to be of decent quality. We look like we've got a coherent plan. Well, not just a plan. We've got several coherent plans. We've got people that, you know, in John Rowe, Ashley Barnes, was Josh Sargent, but obviously, you know, kind of we're looking at a long-term injury for him now. But we've got people who are in form that are playing football to that plan. And it just, look, let's be frank. We were in a similar position, maybe like, you know, you know, in September, October under Dean Smith in terms of league position. But that felt totally different because performances just didn't merit the, the points tally that, that we'd received. This feels like we deserve it. It felt like, look, we could have gone and got three points at Southampton and then been 100% at the moment. There just feels like there's a momentum building. It feels like there's positivity breeding in the fan base, which is infectious. And actually, I think, you know, that that translates to the pitch more and more. We've got players we can love again. And that's really important, yeah. I think, for fans to, to get behind. You know, it, the John Rowe song is already an earworm. Um, you know, there's other chants that are emerging. It's... I think that's the thing is like I'm not fussed about where Norwich are in the league right now. I'm fussed about how it feels to be a supporter and it feels pretty good. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the fact that it, there's there's players to love. I think the the underestimated, unexpected element of it and, you know, we were going into the season not sure what we were going to get. Effectively just saying we were hopeful for, um, you know, to really enjoy going to the football. However... One thing that we did say on the preview pod was if Norwich are going to in any way consent, someone like a Johnny Rowe is going to have to make a massive leap up. We basically said either Rowe or Gibbs is effectively going to have like a have to have a Campwell style or Josh Murphy style season where they you know, massively kick on. Now, we didn't expect five goals in five games, um, but that at the moment it feels like other than the sergeant injury, everything has fallen our way. Um, and whilst I said we'd leave the transfer window stuff till last, it, it feels like a really important deadline day, one of the more important ones in recent times, because as I understand it, there's two strikers coming in today. Um, and, you know, this is risky because it's 10 past 1 p.m. on <laughs> deadline day. So um, we're going to try and get this up as quickly as possible. And obviously the, the preview stuff and the uh, looking back stuff will all still be relevant for those traveling to Rotherham, which is when we know a lot of people listen. Um, but the, the, there'll be the young lad coming in to bolster the under-23s and there will be a senior striker. They're going to bring one in and effectively there's two or three names in the frame. And it might be very obvious from the signing whether or not it was first, second or third choice that ends up being the one that we're looking at when we're hitting refresh at 10.59pm. They've got to get someone in who can replicate not necessarily the goals of Sargent, because I think we are in a fortunate position where there's goals from all around the team at the moment. I think we need the work rate and the physicality and the pressing. 
because that has been for me apart from Southampton the real hallmark of if this is Wagnerball and his early days but if this is what he's always wanted to do it is the relentless pressing and harrying we are such a nightmare to try and have possession of the ball against Southampton are the only team that have dictated tempo for anything more than three or four minutes in a game and so from my point of view the names in the frame, um, you know, your Kiefer Moores, uh, your, your Lowe's. It's not necessarily about, oh, their goal scoring record doesn't look that good, etc. I hope that it is the person who's going to come in and, and, and be the engine that Sargent has been in the early season. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely echo that because as soon as we signed Sargent, Everyone was at pains to point out that it just worked so hard. And it was a backhanded compliment, wasn't it? Because it, it kind of meant, well, doesn't score many goals, but he'll, he'll work really hard for you. And he's a nice lad. But it's so important to what Norwich are doing at the moment. And it feels like Wagner's template is still going to take a little bit of time to, you know, to, to reach his optimum. John Rose having to come off at, you know, kind of 60, 70 minutes each game because he hasn't got the legs to do it as yet. It's just a, you know it's a good job that we've got quality within the ranks that that we can we can kind of chop and change. It it does feel I know we're not supposed to get on transfer business, but it does it does feel like it this really could be make or break because if if Sergeant's injury is as suggested, as I say, several months seems to be you know the, the time scale. I mean he's going to miss what fifteen twenty games. You know he's going to miss Christmas. That's it could absolutely kill us. Um, you know, if we don't have, because I think what we're going to have to do, Norwich are going to have to change the way in which they press a little bit. They're going to have to change the dynamic. Does that mean that Barnes goes into the nine and they maybe look at, you know, kind of someone in the, in a, in a more creative role in the 10 that fundamentally changes everything for me. Cause it has felt like a really considered press when we're playing four, four, two, um, you know, kind of with really good trigger points when we do it, I, I, I'm I'm genuinely as a Norwich fan, it's really weird going into transfer deadline day and feeling nervous and feeling like you know this is pivotal towards our season. But I genuinely think it is. I, I think that Adam Eder's knees have been made of glass for the last couple of years. Ashley Barnes, I don't think he's going to have 46 games in him in a season. Um, although you know he's looked brilliant so far. The the strike the incoming striker. Is, is absolutely huge. It's monumental to to what we're going to do over the next couple of months. And I think, it, ideally, we'd be looking to get someone in who's got the athletic profile and the, the physicality straight from the off. And that's really hard on transfer deadline day. I would not want to be Stuart Webber or David Wagner right now. Well, taking a look at Kiefer, Roberto, Francisco, Moore. Um... Are they genuinely his middle names? That's on Wikipedia, but I mean, I can't guarantee that that, that isn't nonsense. Um, but I mean, if it is, then fair play. I mean, I don't know how many people born in Torquay have middle names like Roberto and Francisco, or even that he was born in Torquay. But you know, it has been the, the point has been made that six foot five striker, when you are creating the amount of balls fizzing across the box that we are, potentially, um, he might get a few goals because. You know, service has been an issue in the places that he's been prior to, to, to going to Bournemouth. Um, obviously, he's down the pecking order there. Uh, but the, you know, the fact that the fact that we've got options 
if we bought in someone with loads of running who was slightly smaller in stature, you would be confident that Sara Nunez, when he's on, uh, pullbacks from the wings like Jack Stacey would create chances for them. And if we go proper old school number nine, so we've, so, you know, two massive handfuls up front, you know, if we, if we kind of go that, that element of Sergeant's character, because I think Sergeant offers you both, you know, he offers you that I'm going to give you a really hot, torrid time. Your ribs and toes and elbows are going to be black and blue with the amount of jostling I'm going to give you. And I'm going to run you ragged. Either one of those, if we get that, and we feel confident we've got that at the end of this transfer window, I think the rest of the team can 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 rise up around it because we don't need to be second in, let's say it's 1st of February that, that Sergeant's back. Um, that, you know, uh, we don't need to be second. If we're seventh, but still in touching distance, we'd have taken that in August. Um, so for such an unbelievable setback to losing him, um, we just need someone who's going to do enough to get us, get, you know, to, to, to fill that void. So let's look back over the games since since we last were 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 on together reviewing games. What a performance um, at home last time out! Some of the some of the football was just magnificent, and you know the three really flattered Millwall. I mean, it could have been eight or nine. The the the, the interplay you talked about, you know, patterns of play. One of the things we asked for at the start of the season, and we you know we we asked for it during the first Farker season and then got it in the second Farker season. And it's, you know, whilst the football's different, it's similar this time. We're now seeing the same chances getting created again and again. You know, Jack Stacey, what a signing. You know, he he looks, he, he is constantly a threat, constantly looking to move forward. And the way that he is receiving the ball from Sarah with kind of bending runs around the back of the fullback, um, he is constantly pulling balls back so that, you know, we can be, confident arriving late so Johnny Rowe arriving arriving late at the back post or um an extra midfielder arriving late at the penalty spot is constantly going to get balls pulled back from Stacey to hammer hammer home um the fact that Barnes is um getting opportunities with his feet you know he's not just a battering ram it's not just like balls into the box for him to kind of knock down for someone but but wasn't it great to see um uh chances like that being created when he came on um, in the in in mid in the midweek cup game, like knocking the ball down for other for you know for for Gibbs to come onto, like an old fashioned or almost like Holt would knock the ball down for Martin or Holt would knock the ball down for for Hulan. Did did it, it? There's an old fashionedness about it, which we haven't had since probably that uh, triumvirate of Holt, Hulan, and Martin in the League One campaign. Like yeah, that, that's. That's the last time we had this kind of throwback football. I'd agree with that. Um, I'd also throw into that that I think that he's he's allied that with what he's got in in spades, and that's game intelligence. You know, he's a really and this is something that I didn't give him credit for, and, and thought he was just all elbows, and he you know he'd be a bit of a battering ram and on all of those things, you know, all of those kind of cliches that that people trot out. He's way more than that. You know, he's a really clever player. He knows when to hold on to the ball. He knows when to bring other people into play. His experience is, is massively important in that. But not only that, he's got proper technical ability. Um, you know, you just look at the way that he stroked the penalty home, you know, and, and that's in, in microcosm is proper, you know, kind of side netting territory. 
the fact that he, as you say, he's played a few of those balls. Some of the balls he's received on his chest, he's got down quickly and then just got out to the right back in a flash. And and strikers at championship level typically can't do that. You mentioned Jack Stacey. I think, you know, we, we mentioned him on the last pod as well, but I think Dimi Anulis is having an absolute blinder of a season so far. 100%. And it's, and it's so nice that we've got two fullbacks who want to get forward, but we've got two fullbacks, again, we talk about variety, that want to get forward in a different way. How many times have we seen Dimi step out, not go wide, but actually step out into central areas sometimes and then just play really, after carrying it maybe 10, 15 yards, playing really cute diagonal balls into strikers. I mean, you know, Fastak's goal against Southampton, I know there's a defensive error prior to it, but, you know, that pretty much occurs from from him doing this almost like a signature move. It's all it's almost like when Mark Bowen used to maraud forward, you know, in, in the late eighties, kind of early nineties, that he's just just seems to have that nous about when to step out of defence now. And I, I wonder how much of that is coached and how much of that is him just being given a license and that's the fullback that that we signed, you know, kind of when well, I think it was Daniel Farker that actually potentially recommended him, but it 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 feels like he's now being harnessed to the best of his abilities. Jack Stacey's definitely being harnessed to the best of his abilities. Gabby Sarah is as well. Kenny McLean, you could argue, when he kind of steps in and he's in between the the um, central defenders, that's where he's probably looked best in a, in a Norwich shirt, although he's still got a few mistakes in him. He's, he's looking way better than he has for many seasons for me. It's... It feels like Wagner is getting the you know the absolute optimum out of players that actually you know some of them, some of them we'd written off hadn't we some of them we just thought well, well they're going to be deemed surplus to requirements and and we'll have to move on. Well, let's on that case in point. That, looking at Tuesday, Poheta. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he's he's managed to find a player in someone who Stuart Weber referred to as uncoachable, basically. You know, basically yeah. saying he didn't name him, but he said he didn't have a brain. Basically, you know, that's, yeah, that's so essentially he said, what he's saying. He said analytics and data says you've got all the physical attributes, but if you can't teach him anything, um, but he the 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 confidence that has been put into that boy from Wagner, the ball that he bent round the corner for Eder's goal, um, yeah. you know, he took a touch, got it out of his feet. Yes, it was counter attack. Yes, there was space because you know, Huddersfield is shit. I mean, they were chronically bad. <laughs> um, they are going down. But um, even so, it was the way that he got the ball out of his feet and then he could have just run and run and run and run because he had 40 yards space in front of him. And I feel like Puerta, when I've seen him play in an orange shirt, is just holding on to that ball far too long until enough Huddersfield players are back that he's run out of options and he is shouting at him. And instead, he has the confidence because he has got the ability he has the confidence to play a beautiful ball directly into the path of Eder so that Eder doesn't have to check his run, which gives Eder the, the, the time to then go, right, I've got loads of options here to choose. And again, talk about confidence. And we know, I mean, he said in the press recently, this week, I think, Connor maybe had it, talking about being a confidence player. I mean, that was such a confident finish. He chose the part, he chose the smaller part of the goal, the, the near post rather than the far post, yeah. which the keeper didn't expect. He hit it with his left foot, a little clip. He didn't he didn't hit he didn't thwack at it, which he has had a problem with before, knocking ball. How many times have we seen him hit things over the bar? Because he holds on to the shoot button too long on his controller. But that was a lovely lofted finish, L1 and shoot. You know, that was superb. And 
you go, you know, we, we know that we know that Wagner's got an arm around the shoulder reputation and maybe he didn't want to put his arm around the shoulder of some of the lads, you know, last season. But again, this it seems to be a relatively small change in personnel that have all made a massive impact. And I now want to round off that point with um, a uh, Shane Duffy appreciation moment. You know, I just think I love him. I mean, he is what an awful, horrible bastard of a footballer to have to deal with. He is probably a nightmare of a bastard to play in front of or alongside because he is telling you what to do. He's an absolute man mountain. I mean, seeing him in a fight, I mean, he is a big boy and he is really cultured on his feet. He's had a couple of slightly lackadaisical switch-off moments, but nothing to the same level of defensive fuckery that we have had recently. And that is one positive. So there has been an absence of that. Give like So what was it like? Was it last season when at some point, like halfway through the season, we'd given away the most goals from giveaways in Europe or something? We we really I think you might um, be embellishing our point, but yeah. No 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 no. It was it, no there was there was there it was um it was either N- NCFC numbers or so there was in terms in of Europe. Unforced, yeah un- unfor- in the it was unforced okay. errors leading to goals. It might have been when we're in the Premier League. It might have been the Premier League relegation season when basically that was tracked. So yeah, the unforced errors in the top leagues of Europe. A hundred percent. There was a statistic around it, and it but we had it last year as well. Unforced errors, just like total brain fart rolling the yeah. ball across the goal or just giving the ball We've, it's happened once and I think it was actually a bit of bad luck and mainly Gibson's fault for standing in the wrong place and other than that we haven't given away chances stupidly we've been really resolute there's been a couple of big chances and again time for another appreciation um, announcement Angus Gunn has made two worldies already that have resulted in points this season yeah I, I, I'd echo everything you're saying about Duffy and I think the the most credit we can give him is the fact that he's slotted in seamlessly pretty much actually, you know, from straight from preseason, he's had to play football without much of, you know, actual instruction from Wagner. And he's looked really decent straight away. And he looks like he's taken on everything that's been asked of him, but he's also offered loads, loads more. I think like genuinely loads more leadership than Gibson and Hanley combined perhaps in the last two seasons and that maybe speaks to where the underlying issues have been and it's really easy like super easy when clubs are playing badly to go oh we ain't got no leaders we need more captains on the team and you know and all that but actually it rings true when you see that you we've brought in a Duffy we've brought in a Barnes who are those you know you could give either of those the armband really quickly and, and it wouldn't be an issue that's the the bits that we are missing and they're the bits where actually then if you've got leaders on the pitch who are demanding accountability out of the people around them, maybe those individual errors don't happen as much because, you know, minds are sharper, you know, you're focused. It's just, it, it's way more than, you know, we are producing way more than our collective ability at the minute. And that is credit to Wagner. It's something that we absolutely didn't expect. And look, I know we're going to get onto maybe a review of the transfer window, but it's credit to the transfer window, like no doubt about that. This is now probably Stuart Webber's, and let's just not put it on Stuart Webber. I know Stuart Webber is keen to always say, it's not me, we've got a recruitment team. Stuart Webber, David Wagner, you know, you know, probably some of the other coaching staff's transfer window 
And it's really interesting to see this departure from what we've been doing over the last three or four seasons where it was considered punts and it was gambles and it was return on investment and all the rest of it. We've completely gone away from that. There is no return on investment on a lot of these players that, that we've signed, but they are replacing key elements that we just didn't have. Um, but yeah, you know, you've, you've got to credit it. Yeah, I mean, effectively, they're known entities for whom this may well be their last stop. Yeah. Um, but the character, the, the no dickheads element um, is, or rather the high character elements and what the character brings to the dressing room element, that hasn't changed. And that that's that probably seems to be the thing they've got right. You know, Jack Stacey said in his first interview, I love running, looking forward to preseason, I love running. Barnes is unbelievably fit. Duffy's played every minute, I think. You know, he's hardly played last season. Mm. Um, well, for about uh, two or three seasons, he's hardly played. Um, and he's a, he's a leader on a pitch. Barnes is a leader on the pitch. Stacey leads by example because he doesn't stop running. You know, I, I think on that fitness point, you talk about Dimmy. Dimmy looking so good. This is the best Dimmy's done because I think it's also the fittest Dimmy's been. Mm. You know, and you know he has had his injury problems. But, um, you know, on, on that transfer window thing, if... The, the two names that the two names that seem to have the most and, and by the way whilst whilst I have it on relative authority that we're looking for this one young and one old and they're confident it's going to get done I haven't got names the two that are in the press more and low for me they very much sit in there I'll try and be positive category <laughs> yeah yeah I can see it with more I can I can totally see key for more and if you think of it, if you, if you think of it of a different team, if you think that Norwich are, are, are going to, for example, Leicester, or we've, we've got Leicester coming to us soon, and you know that you've got Ashley Barnes and Kiefer Moore are going to be the front two, it doesn't exactly strike the fear of God into you. It's not like Erling Haaland's turning up, but at the same time, you just go, "Oh, they're a pop, they're a pair of double large bastards. They're big. They're good in the air. Every set piece, they're going to be a danger. Um, they are." Wiley, they're going to be nicking free kicks. They are seasoned, you know, they've been around the leagues. I mean, more as well from his profile going all the way down, going off and doing a year in with Viking or wherever in Denmark, in, you know, Norway or wherever, coming back and having to go at scum for a bit to try and get a game. Um, he didn't score for them. So it's, I, I, you know, I, I don't have any. All right, is it? It's forgiven. Yeah, well, he didn't score for them. No, yeah, at no point has he given, bought, he's never bought them any joy. So that's fine. Um, yeah, the, I, I honestly think that. I can get more behind him than low. I mean, I'll get behind both of them, you know, in an orange shirt, of course. But I mean, in terms of the transfer, I hope, and again, I could look an absolute twat before I've even put this, sorry, as usual, um, before I even upload this. But um, I hope it's secret option three that they're keeping quiet. And there is talk that there is three options they're going with. Connor kind of alluded to that last night, um, that there might be three in the frame, um, plus the young lad. I wonder whether Tom Cannon was one of those three, maybe, though. Maybe and he, Cannon that's was now been, And that's now been finalised, hasn't it? I think he's he's gone to Leicester. Yes, he, he has, but the, but uh, Moore is the only one that I've had, uh, that the Archon boys have kind of alluded to being real. Lowe is paper talk, as far as I'm aware. Cannon uh, was I, real. Cannon was, Cannon was definitely real. Yeah. Well, he's moved, but, so you know, you know he's but, yeah. shots about. Yeah. But again, it's, if uh, you think we've probably got a much better chance of getting Kiefer Moore on loan than we've got of getting um, uh, a Tom Cannon on loan because it's just the yeah. age of the player and, and where they're at. Um, 
I hope there is a, there's another name in the frame, but I can totally talk myself into Kiefer Moore and can, I can see him in a yellow and green shirt with Ashley Barnes causing havoc, you know, you know, coming on for, you know, Eder and Barnes start and then Moore comes on and, and becomes it someone for us to get the ball up too quickly and play off. can totally see that. I, th- I think that's the, that's the thing for me is we're, we're looking to sign someone to complement the group, not necessarily come in and, and go, right, well, you're going to replace Sarge and you need to be, you know, kind of a, a Josh goals, yeah. template yeah. player because I, I just don't don't think you get many of those. Um, certainly not with his work rate, athleticism, all the rest of it. But I would like to see Adam Eder, look, we've, we've talked about this pod way too much. Adam Eder's development has stagnated. Adam Eder has all of the tools to be a top, top striker. He's just not had the games to go and do it. So my genuine, you know, my very real hope now is give Eda the chance, let him be your number nine, or even you know, or let Barnes be the number nine and let him play slightly, you know, in behind it because sometimes you know he'd be better in those pockets of space. But give him the chance to go and score goals. He's already got two under his belt. The assist for John Rowe the other day as well, excellent. Just the way he executed it was absolutely brilliant because it had to be pinpoint. The lad's got confidence now. Don't take that away from him by bringing in a player who, you know, immediately in a couple of weeks' time or, you know, post-international break is taking his place in the side. That's not what I want to see. I want to see someone complement the group and then they're rotated properly and we just have goals from everywhere. Because I I don't necessarily think it needs to be for Norwich that we've got a 20-25 goal season striker, like you said. You know, we've got goals all around the pitch and Gabby Sara hasn't really chipped in that much Yet, yet, you know, you you know, you will have Fastnacht. I think has definitely got goals in him. John Rowe, we know is is going to get a few this season, and we've got Boyer Sons to come back as well. You know, it, it does feel very positive if we can just get today right, and if there's some money that comes in from Abamadeli, maybe that we, you know, that, that might free up this option number three that you're talking about as well. You know, this it. it yeah, I don't think he's going. I. I can't help but think that with a centre back, strikers are far more eleven o'clock than centre backs. If you see what I mean in terms of transfer, yeah, yeah. I got. I think especially because he would be a he'd be a fair bit of cash as well. I can't help but think that a signing of that significance. I feel like he would already be on his way to have a medical, and you can't keep that quiet. Yeah, we, we'd have got wind, and then it's because Norwich, you know, have have been quite clear that he goes, he gets replaced. So it's then yeah. well, we've we've got the replacement already winging their way to Colney to to do their medical. You know, I, yeah, I we can't know. leave ourselves it's... with two. We can't leave ourselves with two centre backs until what December or whenever Hanley's ready to play again. Oh, and I don't think Hanley will ever be the same player you know, because well, Hanley does rely on that. pace. You keep saying that, but uh, I believe that Hanley is almost superhuman. So I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Yes, okay, that might be a catastrophic injury to the common man or even the common athlete. But he's beyond 30 as well. If he was 24, like... Yeah, but in Grant Hanley years, it's a bit like Nigerian years. (laughs) Nigerian footballers are always like 10 years. Actually, 42, yeah. In Grant Hanley years, like being over 30, he's like 22. It's like like like, um, 10 pints for him is like one shot. Yeah, he, he's, he's, that video of him strutting around Colney was ridiculous. He, like he, yeah, what a man. What I love him, and the idea that the idea, I mean, the idea that he could he could be around the group and play a part, even if he's eighty percent of the player he was beforehand, 
the nails and again, the nastiness, you know, when Duffy gets his in- inevitable suspension, you know, it yeah. would be handy if, if Duffy could just about hold off that inevitable suspension and it might be too from, from totting up the yellows. Um, it would be handy if we did have Hanley back. You, you, you just simply can't rely on Gibson and not Gibson and, and them to be the only ones. And then, you know, Tom- Tomkins is so young. Um, Tomkinson still was still in a boot a while back. I think he's, you know, he's getting to well, Warren was on the bench, wasn't he? Yeah, was on the they bench, seem like, to rate him. The game. And then, I mean, the other option is Lungi, but yeah, but also he was injured as well. But also, uh, they, they, you know, Fisher seems such an amazing maybe he can play center back, like he seems to be, he seems he's to be tiny. defying, he can't play center yeah, back, <laughs> yeah, but he seems to be defying all. He, I mean, he, he should be nowhere near, he shouldn't even be on the bench yet, like in terms of his development. That's not what he was bought for, and all of a sudden, he's you know, he, yeah. He looked terrific again um, in midweek. Uh, yeah, he did. Well, I I didn't see the match, so I I can't comment on that. I was um I was preparing to come back from Greece, but um yeah, he sounds like he's he's really got a lot about him, and the club have been massively pleasantly surprised with with his progress. Maturity, yeah, he as well. can cross. He can really cross. So you know, kind of, it's, if Stacey does get an injury, or you know, kind of his his tank is is spent at some point, you've got a lad who can come in who's. He almost is full of that um, youthful, you know, kind of fearlessness that Max Aaron's was when he came in in eighteen nineteen and, and just ripped it up. And I'm not making those direct comparisons around Kellen Fisher, but what I am saying is that I see that same, you know, just kind of right. Well, let's just go and do it. Let's just go and have a go. Let's get down the wing. Let's let's see what happens. And um, yeah, it, technically, he looks like he's got loads about him as well. And I think that's that's the one thing that's shifted in this recruitment strategy, actually, is that we're signing a lot of, we're really bolstering the youth ranks. And I think there, you know, there's the lad that's come in from um, from Ireland. There's a couple of others that you know that seem to be muted that that we're going to or muted that we're going to we're going to sign in forward areas. Feels like we're we're looking after maybe the next three or four years in terms of you know kind of next cabs off the rank. I didn't necessarily expect. I, I, I've. It f- feels like Mariella, you know, and Nisataki, in, in terms of like the head of emerging talent or whatever her job role is now or her job title is now, she's really honing in on those top top prospects. Um, and I think that might be a more effective route at championship level. And then picking up these frees who've got the nous and, as you say, the character. Um, it might just be a slightly different melting pot that that we're working with now. Well, James McAtee, who was uh, linked with us, the young Man City guys, just signed for Sheffield United, um, where, where I think he went previously. Um, so that's that's one that's come off the board. Um, but also Sheffield United were in for Kiefer Moore as a kind of I think Kiefer Moore was 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 mooted as one of their backup players. Really, and that that's what I sort of saw on on the Twitters this morning. Um, but I mean, you know, it will all shake out in the next few hours. My my confidence level is high if we can get someone who's going to run around a bit. Because I, 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 like I say, I, I think that's the bit of Sargent's game that I'm most concerned about not having. I mean, looking ahead to Rotherham, who obviously got, I mean, what's the the best way of putting this? Annihilated in the week. I mean, they, I mean, that that's not a, that's not a great great performance, is it? They are low on confidence in the league. The cup game wasn't was an opportunity to build some momentum. Obviously, they didn't didn't take that, um, and 
in theory, we should be strolling there and we should, you know, we, we've sold out our allocation um, and it should be, it's going to be noisy. You know, our tails are going to be up. Can you see anything other than three points for Norwich up there? Uh, yeah. And the reason that I say that is that I always feel like there's an element of when, when teams have have received a bit of a dick in, there's that wounded element, wounded animal element. Um, you know, and you often see that if Norwich would get done five or six, that they'd come back with a performance and, and want to prove themselves. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we went there and you know we we only came away with a point, and that's look, that isn't a disaster. And if you'd have, if you'd have given us eleven points from the first five games, I think everyone would have been more than satisfied with that, no matter how you you know how you um, got those. But we should go there with loads of confidence. We should go there firing on all on all cylinders. And I think they're gonna they're probably gonna have a game plan like Warnock did for for John Rowe. But that's fine. You know, if they're gonna double up on John Rowe, just give space to for other players. And there's loads of technical quality in, in, in this squad. And I think that the likes of Fasnak and Barnes and Sarah and hopefully Rowe, you know, if he's not man marked, it should be enough. It should be enough and, and it just feels like every time we, we strut onto the pitch now we've at least got two goals in us. And at championship level, you score two or three goals every game. Well, you're going to be absolutely fine, aren't you? No problem at all. So, yeah, I think we will get three points. I think I'd like to hope that if we went ahead early, that it could be an absolute rout. I don't think it will be. I think it will be a fairly nervy affair and we, we might win by by the odd goal. The odd Adam Eder goal, let's say that. So you're, that's your guarantee, is it, for this week? Your guarantee is a... What, 2-1 win? 1-0 win? Let's go. Let's go 2-1 with an Adam Eder looping header. Uh, I think we are... I think we're due a Barnes hat-trick. So I'm guaranteeing a Barnes hat-trick and a a 4-1 win. Uh, I think that I don't... I, I, I get the wounded animal logic, but I think Norwich are too strong in confidence, fitness and momentum. And I think that our our particular brand of football is set up to hurt anyone who decides that they're a wounded animal and they need to go out and give a performance. Because I think we've got the pace to hurt you in behind if you want to try and come at us. Good luck. I, I don't think Rotherham can risk anything other than trying to um, block us and sit in. And, and, and if they try and come out and play, good luck. And I think if they do try and... Um, just sit in we've got the physicality that we haven't had in past championship squads to to just have bang the door down huff and puff and blow your door down so i think um whilst it's not sarji bargy anymore we, we've just got the bargy um i i think him and Eda will will be will be enough so yeah i'm going for 4-1 norwich that'd be um, nice i mean leicester went there and only only shaded it i think we should make that point as well that rotherham are still dogged and obdurate and will make life difficult for us. But I think if we go ahead early, then, then your your <laughs> prediction could be could be infinitely possible. Yeah, and uh, it's not a prediction; it's a guarantee. Uh, right, let's do some, uh, let's do some list of questions before we wrap up and try and get this uploaded before we sign someone and this all be out of date. The um, Matthew McGregor on Twitter oh. he asked three questions. Um, well, McGee. I will ask two of them. Is well, so first of all, is Rob Newman's head too large for him to be our sporting director? And he says literally, not metaphorically. A lot of the buzz light years about Mr. Newman, isn't it? Um 
No, he isn't. They are. He's answered that. No. There you go. Nice. What do you think of Rob Newman? As new, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but actually, I don't know enough. I mean, yeah, I mean that could be the answer. That every that pod, yeah, blah, 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 blah. no, I don't know enough about. Um, I don't know enough about the what. What I think is tricky with these types of appointments and weighing up these different things is it's very, very difficult. And we've had this conversation about kind of Weber and Farker, and just now Weber and Mariella. Um, sorry, it's very tricky to genuinely judge people on their off, off the pitch recruitment side of things for yeah but was Emmy Buendia you like did you personally go out there and, and decide was it you that studied the data mm-hmm. that did that or actually the fact that Newman's been as part of some large recruitment teams and how much is that a really well drilled team with some of the best data people in football and some of the best technology available and etc 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 now the plus side of that is that means he can come here and say oh by the way when I was at so-and-so, we had this, that, and the other. When I was somewhere else, they, they did this technique. So that could that could further our development. What what I would say is I, I would like someone that has worked at a much bigger club than Norwich, which Rob Newman has. So, so I, I would like... Two clubs that are way bigger well, than Norwich. Yeah. Well, quite. But, but my point is at least one for more than five minutes and relatively recently. It would be good that we are getting someone in who is a... We know there's been loads of investment in data and analytics and... Weber, to his credit, says he doesn't understand it, but he understands the output. Mm. We need we need someone else who can come in who either can say straight away, maybe they nick a couple of the data geeks that come with them, or maybe they're able to, you know, bring someone else with them un- underneath them. But um, importantly, they've had their eyes open to that future. I think the Brewers um, guys will be really keen on that as well. Atanasio is really into his analytics and his money ball, so they will also probably be pushing for a persona who is really keen to look for progressive data-led ways of making decisions. Um, and that, that's how I'd like to see the club develop because that's that's really our only chance of competing um, un, uh, you know, until the until we sports wash and get bought by some awful state. Um, we need to basically be smarter in the decisions we make. And at the moment, fingers crossed, we're celebrating at 11 o'clock tonight, or, although really all... We'll only really know when whoever it is we buy has scored their fifth hat-trick. But um, hopefully we're celebrating an almost flawless window. Because at the moment, fingers crossed, touch wood, it, it's been flawless. We haven't lost anyone that's weakened us. Um, because what we've done really is lost a fantastic servant to the club. But we've got a player who looks really good in the championship and seven million quid. Um, and other than that, everyone else who's come in has played a part in an unbeaten start to the season. Yeah. And I think going back to Rob Newman, what he is, we've said this before, he's a recruitment specialist. And that's mm. what the football club needs right now, more than anything else. I think it's to to build and expand and complement what we've got in place already. Because it is it's clear we've spoken to some of them, you know, in, in on pods and, you know, outside of um that arena as well, that we've got some really clever, insightful people in those positions that could really push us on. We have also maybe struggled in terms of our overall strategy. I think that's the the bit that's really interesting for me is how we have, I've said it before, but uh, on this pod, but we've, we've just moved away from our transfer strategy significantly this season. And it all, it, it dispels the notion that, all oh, right, well, head coaches are interchangeable and actually we're signing players for a certain style of play. No, we're not. No, we're not. 
you know, Christian Fastnack was David Wagner's man. You know, Long, the goalkeeper, was Paul Clement's man. You're not telling me that Barnes and Shane Duffy weren't on the radar of absolutely everyone and we've signed them because they're good lads rather than, you know, anything else. We've completely ripped it up. I'm not saying that's wrong. Just It's just a different way of doing things. So I think we ha- it would be good for someone now to come in and, and just have some different ideas and hopefully shape it and take it in a direction that that develops us again because as you say that's what we need we're, to be sustainable we've got to make really good decisions nearly all of the time almost like a Brentford can and do you know and, and they continue to deliver you know kind of on that as well let's have um, one more from McGee he asks which is the bigger priority a new city stand or safe standing in the Barclay a new city stand why? Because I think that that is a far bigger thing to resolve. Say standing can be kind of flicked almost on and off in a switch relatively easily over a weekend. I I disagree with that. I think that there is something that's being built at the club at the moment. Well, not at the club at the moment. It's being built outside of you know the, the football club doing it. But City Elite have started something with the drum. They've started a culture on the terraces, which I think has enthused a different demographic demographic of supporter. There are young lads now turning up to Carrow Road who just want to come along to make a load of noise. And that's the thing for me that I think if we if we're gonna if we're gonna be successful as a football club, everyone needs to be together. And I'm not sure five thousand extra seats on the city stand achieves that and I'm not even sure that we'd sell them actually you know unless we're being hyper successful then maybe we will but I think you know there was games in the Premier League there was games certainly you know kind of last season in the championship where let's be honest there were 21 22,000 people at Carrow Road you know the, the the actual official attendance figures might have said completely different because you know of the way in which season tickets are counted and all the rest of it but if you wanted to get a casual ticket at Carrow Road for most games last season that was not an issue for you. You know, you could do it. You could achieve it quite easily. Why is I, that different with rail seating? No, but in terms of what's a bigger priority, I think if you bring in rail seating, we're not talking about expanding attendance. What we're talking about is building something different, a bit like you know, kind of Dortmund's yellow wall, or you know, however you want to look at it. But it's about building a culture where you can have rail seating, you can have a specific area for a drum, or you can. Be slightly already got that. We've got that now. The drum is in the same place every week. It is the, atm- the atmosphere. Br- the atmosphere isn't brilliant because of rail seating or not rail seating. The atmosphere is brilliant because we love the football club currently because they're playing a brand of football we can get on board with, and there's personalities overachieving. That that's why the atmosphere is brilliant. And there's it's but there's people, rail seating, but there is people on the terraces that are complementing that, and rail seating 100%. will complement that. And I think that's the thing is that if you talk about terrace culture and supporters like the the whole standing element the whole being slightly more flexible about where people can congregate the whole you know having a specific area for the drum the drum has got a position right now it's not very safe and it doesn't give a lot of flexibility for the people using the drum to perhaps be a bit more creative around how they are um looking to generate atmosphere i think as a club we need to buy into a bit more into the you know, the whole drum displays, you know, whatever that might be. And I think you can be more flexible with rail seating. So I think you build something that's different 
for a different generation of supporter. And you probably encourage a few of the older heads in the Barclay who have been there for 25, 30 years as season ticket holders to go, mm, yeah, do you know what? Actually, no, my time might be up and I'm going to gravitate towards the city stand or... Your new large city stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your new, new well, 5,000 season. So I, I get, I get, I mean, I'd be happy with either, right? It's fantastic what's happening. My, my, my concern is that the club have lost a lot of appetite for atmosphere generation. They've lost a lot of ap appetite mm -hmm. for um, working collaboratively uh, with support groups. Um, they've lost a lot of appetite for saying yes to 0.001% risky ideas. Um, you know, there's a reason that you've not seen a great deal of flags and banners and displays at Carrow Road this year, and it's you can you can be guaranteed well, it's not maybe around. not this season. Not this season has been slightly. It's only there's only been two home games, and there's been good reasons why we haven't done displays. No, but my, two games. But back end of last season, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and well, yeah, but also it's not. There have been times previously where there's been a real appetite from the club, and it's been a case of even if there were. Uh, even if there were certain people on holiday or away or practical practical issues, we would come over. We would be able to get get over them because yeah. the club were basically meeting us halfway in effort on that side of things. It doesn't really necessarily feel like that's the situation at the moment, no. does it? But I think that that gets easier as success on the pitch breeds positivity everywhere. But that's not. But but that's, that's not, not culture. But that shouldn't. That's not how it Definitely. should be. I'm just saying that you've got a slightly op more open door if. If there is success happening, because we experienced that in eighteen nineteen, and all right, we had to force that door ajar. But once we did, actually, when everything was going well and we executed everything in terms of displays, you know, in in a way that couldn't be criticised or you know, kind of didn't really have any flaws and and just added benefit, full stop. Then we pretty much we were just allowed to get on with it and to build a culture that season and probably leading into the next as well. You know, for the first like three or four months of the Premier League where it still felt really good you know, everything felt really positive and I, I, that's where I mean around the immediate pri priority for me would be rail seating because I just think it taps into that and it gets a different kind of supporter on board and it creates experience at, at Carra Road that is not just this kind of transactional customer-led thing it is proper supporter culture i think that you can build off the back of that and that's why it would be super important for me because i just don't think we will fill that city stand like everyone thinks we will um but happy to be proven wrong if we want to spunk 70 80 million quid on it <laughs> 78 million quid genuinely there's been a quote there's been from what i understand there's been a quote that's going to be like cost 100 million to do the well gen do regenerative I'll, work i'll do it for half that <laughs> on your own <laughs> <laughs> no, me, me, me and a couple of lads, a couple of pails, a couple of shovels. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do, it, I'll do it over one July. <laughs> All right, we have to finish on this question because it's a corker. Cool. Um, Matthew Craven asks on on oh, Twitter's, as it's September, which member of the squad do you think would be best at conkers? Duffy would put the conker within his fist and. <laughs> they just punch the other lads conquer. Um who would be the best so who's the most old school? I reckon Kenny might have some proper old school hand me down advice in terms of like soaking in vinegar or soaking in Mad Dog yeah. twenty or something. I'd agree with that. I reckon he'll have some sort of chemical chemistry set style by where you go yeah. with a chemi chemical Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't think that'll catch on. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Chemical Kenny, and then um, maybe yeah, Duffy. Duffy's old school. There is there is a real throwback old school style kind of feel to to, to some of these new lads. Um, yeah, no, that that would be my answer. Ken Kenny would would be tricksy would be tricksy about it, and Duffy maybe because he can just swing his harder than anyone else. I'm gonna go um, purely on. I think the game of conquest is a game of accuracy. So I think if we um, if we looked at that, I think the most one of the most accurate passes on his day is Marcelino Nunez, and I think he could proper just make sure that he's hitting the right spot at the right time all the time, and he'd chip away at you. Because you can have all three four world. If you miss the conquer, you're screwed anyway. I think you've. Uh, I think you you're onto something there. I also think he would have one of the most elaborate knots. Uh, yes. On the bottom of his yeah. string as well, and also his his string would probably be like Chilean colours as well. Like he'd have some sort of multicolour string. And he'd pr- yeah, he'd probably have it like custom made by some lad. Have you seen that? Like he gets his boots like custom made now, like decent, modded, and all that. He's he's one of those boys. Flash. Ah, uh, cool. Well, thank you very much for discussing stuff that we hope isn't out of date. We will. Uh, Upload this. Yeah, guarantees were a 2 1 win with an Edith score and a 4 1 win with a Barnes hat trick. <laughs> so, so neither of those two are happening. Nope. Have we been even close yet? I mean, I've said things every time, so I haven't been. We might have got a scoreline right once. I think that was about it. I'm no, proud of you. Um, Cheers. Anyway, thanks for listening, old partner. Um, we'll see you next time we see you. Mind how you go.